feel encouraged in my spirit today. I turn your attention to the book of Isaiah chapter 43. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Amen. I know this is a busy week for a lot of people. We have uh, a lot of our different aspects of our ministries of our churches are in different places today and fireworks tents going on across the state of Florida. I think some 15 fireworks tents and different people from our church manning those tents and I know this is always a busy week, but I am so glad that you are here, and uh, we had such a great service this morning, our early service, such a great move of the Holy Ghost. We are thankful for what God uh, is doing and uh, has done our week in Haiti and all that happened there, and uh, we had some, I told this, the, the group that was here at our 830 service. We had fireworks early. A lot of people are going to have fireworks this week. We had fireworks last week. Amen. We're going to tell you some more about that. But we had uh, 38 people from our church that went down, and we saw God fill over 500 people with the Holy Ghost. And just a lot of amazing things that took place. His truth is marching on. Amen. But it doesn't mean the enemy doesn't get stirred up along the way. Isaiah 43, 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. I just love that they threw that in there. Now thus saith the Lord that created thee. You ever, you, those of you that have been parents, you ever said, you know, you know, whether you're a mother or a father, you, you want to declare something, then you just want to remind your kid that brought you into the world. Just throw that in. This is your mother speaking that carried you for nine months. Those of you who don't do that as parents, maybe your parent did it to you, but it just reminds you. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. Thank you, Lord, for adding that. Just a, We need to be reminded once in a while that we're here because of the goodness of God. Now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. Now see, I love that the fear not is connected with the redeemed. He doesn't say fear not as a result of the creation, but fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I want to speak this morning for just a few moments on this subject. The beauty of redemption. The beauty of redemption. Aren't you thankful that the Lord not only created us, but he redeems us? What a great God we serve. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. You saw some of the uh, footage of uh, our trip in Haiti and the, the incredible things that took place. Uh, what they failed to put into the video was uh, Friday night as we were returning late, late uh, from the crusade. We were resort we were staying at down. The water was about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes from that mountaintop where you saw where we actually had the crusade in a little village called St. Mark. We were coming back from that and it was late. And we'd had tremendous altar service and people being filled with the Holy Ghost and kids. It was just incredible. And um, we, we were able to uh, get some food afterwards. And by the time we got on the road, it was, it, it was uh, close to uh, midnight uh, as we were approaching the one road that you have to pass to get to the hotel. And we had an individual riding with us uh, whose name was Jordan, and uh, we had asked him to be our security. He is uh, connected with uh, Officer Leonard uh, in our church here, and he is on the uh, protection detail of guarding and uh, protecting the president of Haiti. And uh, so we had made contact with him on previous trips, and we were, we were glad that he could be with us. And we were especially glad that Jordan was with us on the night that we're speaking of, which was Friday night, because it was late at night. And as we approached um, the, uh, the resort, we weren't maybe just a few miles from it, but uh, we saw there were big trucks that were sideways across the road. And 
And Jordan speaking in Creole to the driver of our van. We had actually had four vans in our little convoy. And uh, he said, stop, you know, and, spoke, and then he got out, uh, told everybody to stay in the vans. And he got out and walked up there and, and uh, he could tell there were some police officers that were up there. And he came back and explained that there were some bandits, some bad guys that were uh, attempting to block the road. Uh, so they spiked the road. And when cars or trucks go over it and the, ru- the tires blow and they slide sideways and then they rush the vehicles and they take the keys and throw them out in the woods. And the, the vehicles are immobilized and whoever tries to pass is immobilized. And then they can rob and do all the stuff that they want to do. So um, we uh, had come up on the scene. It's late at night. We're in Haiti. It's dark. And uh, so Jordan is able to work it out where we're able to uh, get passage, go down in a ditch and get around and so forth. We had some challenges there as one of our vans decided to change a tire. It wasn't flat. It was just low. And maybe they thought we'd be there for a while. But whatever the case, we got through all of that. And um, we thought we were home free. Little did we know that the greatest challenges were still ahead of us. The next thing we came upon was a bunch of big tractor tires that were all the way across the the road and they were stacked up double and and some of them had little fires going over in the corner and so forth. And once again, Jordan pulled out his nine millimeter and told everybody to stay in the van and he goes up and starts moving tires, these big massive like tractor tires. And he gets enough of a move where we're able to once again get around the side. We get through that. Then we come up on more debris. They've thrown little small houses that they make that are on the side of the road that they use to sell lotto tickets and whatnot. They put all that out in the middle. We were able to get through all of that. But then the final barricade that we came upon was one that we could not pass. It was giant concrete boulders. And uh, it was big, massive uh, uh, pipe fittings like where, you know, drainage pipes will, will fasten each other. There's a big block and big round holes. And go, I mean, bigger than this pulpit. And they're out there on the road and there's all these big boulders and there's nowhere to go. There's a wall and a mountain. There was no way to pass. And so once again, Jordan says, stay in the vans. Everybody stay in the vans. We got our four vans. Here we are stuck now. It's probably, I don't know, somewhere close to 1 a.m. by this point. And these, and these uh, barricades in front of us, and we're on the road, this is Haiti, and we're stuck. There's nowhere we can go. And so Jordan goes up there, and he starts to move rocks, and then shots start firing. And we can see they're shooting at, at Jordan, and the, 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 they're ricocheting off the rocks, and you can see the dust. And we turn the headlights off the vehicle so he's not illuminated, and, and we all get down. And, and now our four vehicles are in an ambush, and shots are firing, and, and they're throwing rocks. And my son Luke put his head down. A big rock hit the van right next to where he was. So Jordan is, is out there. We're all praying and speaking in tongues, and we got our heads down like that. We're calling on the Lord and asking for protection. And, and Jordan is out there firing and moving rocks and boulders. And I mean, it's like all of a sudden you're watching a movie, but this is real life. And uh, so he gets enough of the, of the rocks moved. And meanwhile, the very last uh, van, I think the one that Jimmy was in, that driver decided he was, he was going to go the opposite direction. So he spins around and he's going to go the other way because, you know, shots are firing out. Little did we know there was a police escort that had followed us from the first barricade where Jordan had connected with the police officers. And they were behind the last vehicle. So they were firing, too, at the bandits. They think there were maybe about 15 of these bandits that were there and so they were firing so shots were firing in every direction we're all trying to stay together the last van tries to turn and run and jimmy tells the driver no you got to turn around we got to stay together we got to stay so he turns around and it's just chaos and here we are in the middle of all of this and apparently they try to come they try to break the windows and uh, they come down take your keys and then you rob everybody and we were told afterwards if if we hadn't you know returned fire and been protected then they would probably beat up all the men and taken the women. So we were in an extremely dangerous situation. In fact, a couple of weeks earlier, uh, this very same location, some of the uh, relatives of the St. Cloud family that uh, are down there in Haiti were in this same situation. They had a friend uh, that was actually killed. They strapped him to the back of a van and drug him through this. So this, these are some bad people, okay? This is not, you know, just a few neighborhood kids pulling pranks. This is serious stuff. 
And uh, so here we are in the middle of all of this. And so they remove these boulders enough, and Jordan waves us to come through. And so we come through, and shots are still firing, and, and rocks are flying, and all of this. And so we get through, and we think we've got enough room to get through, but it's too tight. We kind of get stuck in between this rock and this wall. And so we're like praying and we're reverse and forward and both sides of the van are all scraped up, but we could care less about the condition of that van. We're just trying to get through there. And so we get through that and the next van comes and we're like, is everybody together in all four vans? And, and I mean, we only go about another half a mile and there's the entrance to our, our hotel, which is really curious to me because there's like five guards just sitting there with no care concern i'm like did y'all not just hear shots being fired up the road we were in an ambush (laughs) so we're all obviously kind of shaken up and 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 we're all hugging jordan and we're like jordan we love you you must come to america and and train our security team at first pentecostal church Nobody got shot. No one got hurt, you know. And we're like, you know, the devil meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. We had... I don't have all the pictures, but we had bullet holes in the sides of our van, but none of them penetrated the van, and the vans were scraped and scarred and bullet holes, but we were all safe. I think the Lord just put a big shield of protection over the whole thing. And... And Jordan tells us, Jordan says, I was never afraid because he said, I felt the presence of God all over me and I knew that God was going to protect his people. So we end up all praying together and having church together and Jordan gets filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Isn't God good? can turn any situation around. I don't know what you may be facing. Hopefully it's not what we were facing, but you may be facing something else and it looks like it's a dead end street. There's no way you can pass, but I'm going to tell you something. God is going to have the final say. I said, God is going to have the final say. He said, you are mine. I called you by your name and you're going to pass through the water. I'm going to be with you. You're going to pass through the fire and I'm going to be with you. And I've come to tell somebody today that God is going to go with you. And you will overcome. We were the next morning, we were having that baptism service. You saw some of those pictures and we were having that baptism service. And when we were having a baptism service, we were kind of getting set up for it. And it's beautiful. You can see the land and all that. And, and I was sitting talking with somebody from our church. And I said, you know, it's just amazing how beautiful this land is and what a beautiful job God did when he created all of this. And somebody said, yeah, but they sure have destroyed it and made a mess out of it now. And that thought just sort of stayed with me. God creates in beauty and then sin messes everything up. But the, the, the story does not end there, ladies and gentlemen. I know we have precedent. The Garden of Eden was beautiful and then sin and Adam and Eve had to leave and all that. But the story does not end there. It was prophesied all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Even whenever the serpent had won that one limited battle, there was a prophecy that went forth. And it said the seed of this woman will bruise. The heel of the seed of this woman will bruise the head of the serpent. In other words, there's coming one, hallelujah, that's going to bring victory, not just for Adam and Eve, but for the whole human race. And they said, boy, you know, it's a beautiful country, but sin has really destroyed it and darkness and voodoo and all this craziness that's in this place. But guess what? There's something more beautiful. There's the beauty of redemption. Not only did God create the land, not only did God create the people, but he's going to redeem the land and he's going to redeem the people. And there is a beauty in redemption. 
He said it through Isaiah. I formed you and I created you, but he said, now fear not for I have redeemed you. There is something beautiful about a man or a woman or a boy or a girl that regardless of what they've been through, they can lift their hands and feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost and God redeems them from sin and gives them the joy of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing more beautiful than a life that is changed for God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. This world can't even duplicate it, tries, but it can't. We were going down to a crusade one night, and they had all these girls all lined up with these yellow, bright yellow outfits and helmets. We thought there was some sort of a wedding. It was so festive looking. It was so beautiful. And we were like, wow, look at that, you know. And there must have been, I don't know, about 50 of them. They're all lined up. And we thought, oh, they're having some festive occasion. And the drivers, the people that were Haitian in our van said, that's a voodoo procession. A voodoo procession, yeah. And there's some kind of a voodoo ritual with these young girls and all this. I didn't even want to know all the details. There's no telling what they do to these girls. But this is all made to look festive. It's made to look pretty. It's made to look beautiful. But underneath it all is darkness. It is hurt. It is pain. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what this world is in the business of doing. I know we live in the American culture, and we don't always see all this stuff like they do in these other countries. But I'm going to tell you something. Just beneath the surface, the enemy He's always working, trying to make something look good, but he doesn't show you the hook that's under the bait, trying to make it look beautiful, but he's not showing you all the scar and all the pain and all the heartache. It's ugly. It's made to look beautiful, but it's ugly. But now if you flip it over, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God can take all of that ugliness and make something beautiful, not something that's superficial, but something that is beautiful to Sin can't do it. All sin can do is make it try to appear to be attractive. Puts lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. You can carry a snake up in your house and and dress it up and put a little bonnet on it and sing it lullabies, but it's still a snake. And it's going to bite you one day. Sin is the same way. You can make it look all pretty. You can say, oh, this is just the what God has. No, if it's against the principles of God's word, it's not right. It won't ever be right. I don't care how good looking she is or how handsome he is. If it's against the principles of God's word, it won't ever be right. We got to get back to, oh, I feel a spirit coming on me. We got to get back to holiness, righteousness, you can't be making relationships with people that's going to destroy your home and destroy your family. You better cut some things loose out of your life and say, I am redeemed. I have been bought with a price. I've been baptized in his name. I'm so thankful for the beauty of what God does. He redeemed us unto himself. Don't buy this stuff this world's trying to throw you. It's just... Voodoo in a yellow dress is all it is. It's there to hurt you and destroy you. It's what they did. It's what Jesus even got on the Pharisees about. He said, you got all painted white in sepulchers, but you're full of dead men's bones. Because their tombs, they paint them all white. He said, this is what your heart is like. You dress all up. You're made to look all spiritual. But inside of it, you're full of dead men's bones. God help us. It doesn't do us any good to dress up and come to church on a Sunday morning if we can go out there and live like the devil all week. We're going to hold stuff in our heart against our brother. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We better get realizing that there's something beautiful about the redeemed. There's something beautiful about a man or a woman, a boy and a girl. It don't matter what your past is. It don't matter if you battle with alcohol or drugs. There's something beautiful about a man or a woman that comes to God and says, I don't deserve it, but I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit, oh God. And God reaches down you out of the fiery clay and set you on a rock to stay. That's the beauty of redemption. Oh, you ought to throw your hands in the air right now. If God has forgiven you and saved you, you ought to thank him. She caught the robot on God brings light into a dark situation. Any little bit of light can dispel darkness.
This whole room can be dark, but a small light, somebody just turning on a cell phone can light up the whole room because a little bit of light makes darkness flee. A whole nation can be dark, but just a little bit of light by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And darkness has to flee. Your home, your job, your work, your family, there may be darkness. The enemy may be attacking, but if you'll just shine the light. I said, if you'll just shine the light. We're going to have devotion. Open up the word of God. Find opportunities to say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. You say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm going to tell you who you're going to offend. You're going to offend darkness because anytime you shine light, darkness has to run for cover. You ought to shine light on your job. You ought to shine light in your car. You ought to shine light in your house. You ought to shine light in your teenage son's bedroom. You ought to find every opportunity you've got to say, great is the Lord. I got to hurry. So this is, this is the thought that I want to leave you with this morning. And it's not very complicated. It's very simple. God not only creates beauty, but he redeems back to beauty. And the redemption is greater beauty than the original. Just let it sink in. I said it wasn't complicated, then I made it complicated. I'm sorry. God, I, I, was telling the, I was telling the group this morning, he's like a diamond. There's beauty, and you just turn it all different lights and different angles. You can see it from all different. But it's all the beauty of God. There's something about redemption that outshines them all. But let's start originally with what we read about in the Word of God, how this all starts. It originates with beauty. And this is one I, I believe is one of the most amazing aspects of God's divine nature. It is his ability to make something beautiful out of nothing. And it's important for you to understand this principle because it applies not only in creation, but also in redemption. He doesn't have to have any ingredients to create something beautiful. The Bible said he just hung the earth on nothing. Just spun it out there. It's beautiful. There it is. <laughs> he made us out of the dust of the ground. That'll humble you right there if you start to feel like you're too fancy. He made you and I out of dirt. He doesn't even need the right climate. The Bible begins by telling us that God spoke into an earth that was void and without form. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. And void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God can make something out of nothing. He doesn't have to have a sterile environment. He doesn't have to have favorable circumstances. He can make a masterpiece out of a mess. It's important for you to get that revelation that that's what he did in creation because that's what he also does in redemption. Someone said, well, I wasn't born into this. My granddaddy wasn't this and, I, and this and that. And I was born. Good, because God don't need a pedigree to make you a Pentecostal. Well, preacher, I got to go home. I got to get some things lined up. I got to get my ducks in a row. You're not ever going to get your ducks in a row. You're not ever going to get everything all lined up. You ought to come to God with all of your scars and your warts and your mistakes and all of your shortcomings and say, God, here I am in the middle of all of my best. I stand before you. And God makes something beautiful. He can bring forth peace in the midst of the storm. He can bring forth a miracle in the midst of the madness. You say, well, that's what God does. Well, what about us? Well, God keeps working, folks. He didn't just create everything and leave it all out there and say, okay, now you guys have fun. He's still creating. He's still working. I, I know it's, we, we enjoy the favor of God around here on a regular basis, but I've been to some churches where I don't think God was in 100 miles. 
I mean, the choir was out of key. The ushers were on strike. The parking lot was muddy. The lights kept going out. The preacher was mad. Saints were fighting. The organ was on fritz. And God would get up right up in the middle of all that and start filling people with the Holy Ghost. I remember the very first time I went down to the Amazon down there with Brother DeMerchant. And we pulled up. He built this big conference center. They called Jerusalem. 10,000 people were there. And we pulled up in his little pickup truck. And I was so excited. He'd asked me to preach this deal and they dedicate this. And I was just a young guy. I was so, so excited about all this. And all of a sudden, this old transformer up on the pole started smoking and sparking. And every light, PA system, everything went out. Brother DeMerchant, he sat there and shrugged and said, yep, that's about the way it works. They turn everything on, do it all they can, fast and as loud as they can, and, and then they blow it. It'll be good for them. And I saw those people with their little cell phones start to worship God. God, he didn't need a PA system. He didn't need a transformer. He didn't need electrical instruments. I seen God fill people with the Holy Ghost when they didn't have nothing but hearts that said, God, we're hungry for you. God doesn't need all of our fanciness for him to do a fruitful work. All God needs is somebody that'll say, I will bless the Lord at all times. I was in one service preaching revival in Mississippi. I was only about 18 years old. And there was a man sitting on the front that was shelling peas. He had a big thing of beans like this. And he was shelling them. He had an empty one over here. He was putting them. And he was going like this. That's it. That's it, preacher. And then he started throwing beans up at me. And I'm sitting there. And I, I made some joke about it. I said, he said, that's my tithes. I'm paying my tithes. Part of his beans from his harvest. He was throwing up on the platform. His beans. And I mean, we had church anyhow. God still filled people with the Holy Ghost. I went to one place in Alabama and had to, had to stay in the funeral home. They said, this is where the pastor, he's got a job. He helps people on the side, you know. And this is where they do it. They prepare and the body's coming. He's got a little apartment here. And I said, oh, okay. And... Uh, the apartment that he lived in was too full, so they had a little room for me, but it was the formaldehyde embalming room. And I said, is there anybody dead in this building right now? And they said, no. But I said, were you expecting anybody? They said, no, but you never know. And so one, two o'clock in the morning, I'm laying there and man, I'm looking around and everything's looking scary. And, and I'm thinking, this is just a funeral home. You ought to be able to go to sleep. And I'm trying to go to sleep. My eyes are wide open and formaldehyde machines got hoses off of it. It looks like a monster. And I'm laying there and I'm going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How are we going to have revival in this city when the preacher's in the funeral home? 1.30 in the morning, doors come flying open, people come in there, they got an old dead guy, they're bringing him in, they just went and picked him up, they're throwing him up on the, on the slab. I'm like, wait a second! They said, who are you? I said, I'm the evangelist. They said, the evangelist, what? I said, I'm the preacher. They said, well, you better get out of here if you don't want to see all this. I'm grabbing my stuff and clothes and suitcases. I'm running through the funeral home looking for the pastor. Ah! I get to the church the first night. They hadn't had anybody get the Holy Ghost in seven years. There's one little girl seeking for the Holy Ghost. And everybody's around her going, I said, oh, my Lord, how in the world? I'm living in a funeral home. They're beating up people seeking for the Holy Ghost. How in the world? And there was this thought that came in my head. Just preach for three nights and just go to General Conference. I was on my way to General Conference. It'll be all over in a little bit. It's a little town in Alabama. Nobody will know about it. Just go on. And then something just come up in my spirit and said, no, we ain't going to do it. Sometimes you just got to put your foot down, even to your own will. Got quiet right there, didn't he? I'm used to giving in to whatever my will tells me to do. I said, wait a second. This is not the will of God. All them people, I said, y'all all go sit down. This one old lady was still singing with the Holy Ghost. This girl, she's just a young lady. And I just talked to her about five minutes, and I said, now, the Holy Ghost is just coming. You don't have to be afraid of it. You just have to yield. In five minutes, that girl was speaking in tongues. Joy of the Lord was all over her. Everybody on that front bench, they all got all excited, started jumping up and down. Before that three nights was over, we had 11 people receive the Holy Ghost. Later, I saw the pastor. I'll never forget this, Brother Richie. The pastor's name was Kenny Rogers. 
That was his name. He's not, not the singer. But I saw him later, uh, Kenny Rogers, I saw him at a conference, and he said, uh, Brother Myers, I, you, you're going to come back and preach for us? And I said, are you still living in that funeral? He said, no, we've had revival. We've had over 100 people get the Holy Ghost since then. The church has grown. My wife and I, we've got, a, we've got a house. You can come and stay with us. I said, oh, hallelujah. God can bring revival in the midst of any situation. It doesn't matter where you're at. Man, I wish I had time to tell you all my stories. I was preaching in Fort Lauderdale one time church was trying to build a building they were meeting at a bingo hall temporarily and there was another room that was tied to the same board and it was up behind me and as i was preaching the lights were going off and and, and i was preaching and people would start getting excited and i turned around there was somebody had gotten all their dots in a row all the numbers were in a row and the lights were flashing people were cheering people were ah! i thought we're having a revival people are responding to the word no they're responding to the bingo thing that's going off behind my head can bring beauty in the midst of any situation people can get the holy ghost in any situation god doesn't have to have a sterile environment we've been in maximum security prisons where people have received the holy ghost that may not ever get out of that place we have preached on the streets of new york city where people come by and cuss you out and spit on you and must baptize them in a fire hydrant you say, well, they totally sweated, were they totally covered? We turned them every which way we could. Make sure they got water on them. But I'm going to tell you what, God can save anybody in any situation at any time. If somebody will just say, I need you, God. I have nothing to offer you but brokenness. But God can make something beautiful. Woo, Hallelujah. And I think the enemy tries to talk us out of all the things that God wants to do. Because we think our house has to be clean before God will visit us. He'll wade through all of your dirty laundry and perform a miracle. He can bring honey out of an empty carcass. He's put his spirit in a fleshly temple. So our God doesn't have to have the perfect environment. He didn't in creation. He doesn't have to in redemption. He doesn't need the perfect person. He did not need a giant to kill a giant. He did not need a chef to feed 5,000 people. He didn't need a carpenter to build an ark. He didn't need a fireman to call fire down from heaven. He did not need Pharisees to make disciples. And he doesn't need a celebrity to make a hero. This is part two, and I'm hurrying. As awesome as God is at the beginning, the real beauty is in the redemption of a wayward soul. If you look at Paul, before he was saved, he was known as Saul. He was well-educated, greatly feared. He was persecuting the Christians. He was getting governments, municipalities, all the legal authority to kill ministers of the gospel of Christ. He had a spirit of death that was upon him. But God saved him, turned him around as he was on his horse going to Damascus and gave him the spirit of life. Because God loves to create beauty out of ashes. And you say, can God do it? Here's what I submit to you today. If God can do it out of thin air, he can do it out of brokenness. He specializes in the beauty of redemption. We look at great men and women of the Bible and they were... We think they must have been born perfect, but they weren't. David was an adulterer. Abraham was a liar. Jonah was pessimistic. Moses had a temper. Noah got drunk. Samson was a womanizer. Jeremiah was a crybaby. Peter denied the Lord. Solomon had more wives than Osama bin Laden. <laughs> Saul was full of pride. Jacob was a deceiver. Thomas was full of doubt. John was insecure. And Lazarus was dead and came to life. What is your excuse? Oh, I can't worship God today, Pastor, because I lost my temper on the road. You ought to come into God's house with the beauty of holiness and say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. He'll turn your sorrow into joy. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. He'll do something beautiful out of the midst of chaos. Oh, I feel like praising God today. He is a master. 
Put something beautiful in the midst of an empty heart. Angels are created and they're beautiful, but sinners are redeemed. And they're even more beautiful. First Chronicles 16, 29 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness. The beauty of holiness. That intrigued me. What is the beauty of holiness? The word holiness means to cut, to separate, or to set apart. Redemption is the act of separating you and I from sin. That's where holiness is beautiful. And so the beauty of holiness is the beauty of the worship that only the redeemed have. That can say, God separated me from sin. Brought me into his presence. And I didn't deserve to be here. And I don't deserve to be here. But I'm thankful, God, that you separated me from sin. And there's a song that's in your heart. And there's a praise that is on your lips. That's the beauty of holiness. It's the beauty of redemption. And then Revelation paints this beautiful picture of the creator and the redeemer. Once again, showing you all of these different sides of his glory and majesty. John, looking up, tried to describe it. He's trying to describe it from all these different angles. And Revelation 5, 9 says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. 14 and 3 of Revelation says, And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. The angels, all the host of heaven, is looking up. But there's a song that the redeemed are singing. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. John said, I was sad because no one could open the book, but there was a Lamb that stood up in the midst of it. Another representation of a God that was not only your creator as the Father, but he was your redeemer as the Son. And he stood up and they said, he is worthy. He was slain, but he resurrected. I submit to you today, every time you and I come back to a place of repentance and God restores us. Get a new song. It's the song of the redeemed. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but I just feel like singing that song today. How do we sing the song of the redeemed? We do it by praising Him. Say, Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of redemption. Would you stand to your feet this morning? March 11th, 1942, Lieutenant General Douglas MacArthur leaves the Philippine Islands after boasting that his men could repel any Japanese invasion. The time MacArthur vows, I shall return. Two and a half years later, MacArthur does return, and the Philippines are given their freedom from the Japanese invasion. The Filipino people fill the streets. They want to make MacArthur their king. They line the streets by the hundreds of thousands, shouting, General MacArthur, our king, our king. Reporters started questioning these Filipino people. They said, why should General MacArthur be your king when he's not Filipino? Over and over, the people declared in unison. Not only did General MacArthur defend us and deliver us, 
but he returned to us. Not only did he give us our freedom, but he gave us his presence. I read that and I couldn't stop thinking about my Lord and Savior. Jesus came to Bethlehem. Wise men came from the east to declare his arrival. Shepherds came from the field. Zacharias came from the temple. Herod was troubled in his palace. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, the children lined the streets to praise him. Introduction of who he was was without dispute. So much so that the priest tried to rebuke. But one day, my friend, the one who has defended you and me, the one who has delivered you and me is going to return. And we're not only going to have the joy of his redemption, but we're going to have the joy of his presence. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you shall be also. One day he's going to come again, my friend. And it's going to be in the clouds of glory. And I don't believe it's too much further in the future. He won't need any kind of introduction. He won't need any accolades or accommodations. In the twinkling of an eye, in a moment when you think not, your Redeemer will return. Your Redeemer will return. But until that time, even as he scans this audience this morning, is there any masterpieces? Is there anything beautiful I can do in this place today? Here's what I felt in the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel it now even in this service. I want to ask you this question. Do you have any impossible situations that you would like God to step into the middle of it and display the beauty of his redemptive power one more time before he returns? Would you come right now and step out from where you're standing and would you bring that to this altar? Whatever it may be. Maybe a family situation, maybe a health situation. But whatever the situation, if it looks like it's impossible, maybe even something that you've given up on. She said, I believe God is going to do a great work. Come on, bring it right now. Bring it down to this altar. And I believe through the beauty of holiness, which is displayed when God's people, those that have been redeemed by his word, when they begin to worship God with all of their hearts and all of their minds. Let me just say this right now before we pray. If you don't feel like God can save you, you feel like you've done too much, there's too much water under the bridge. I felt a quickening in my spirit this morning. God wants to remind us that he can save anybody from any situation. I said from any situation. I don't know what you may be facing at home. I don't know what you may be going through. But I've got a God, hallelujah, that can do anything. He wants to make something beautiful out of the crisis that you're in. I wonder if you'd just turn it over to God. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, we're all going to pray together right now. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to begin to say, Lord, I thank you and I worship you. Forgive me of every sin, and God will save you right where you are. If you're facing a situation right now that seems to be impossible, I want you to lift your hands. Come on, if you know what it is to be redeemed by his blood, and say, God, I turn it over to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Let God begin to do the work. That's it, that's it, that's it. I turn it over to you, Jesus.